Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're glad you're here. Wherever you're at today, thanks for joining us for worship. I'm Jim, and I serve as a host here, also as a pastor. It's my privilege. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series called Peace on Earth, and we're going to explore, continue to dive deeper into the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, as he promises through the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's promise for everyone, which is peace on earth. It's for everybody, it's for us. Pastor Spencer will lead us in the message. It's gonna be awesome. If you're a guest with us today, really glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. We'd love to send that gift out. Check in with us and we'll send out a Starbucks digital gift card right away. Thanks for doing that. And now, let's hear from Stephanie. She's gonna tell us more about what's going on at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. It's Christmas week and our Christmas with Schweitzer events begin tonight at 6 p.m. with our carols and candlelight services. This event will occur each evening beginning tonight through the 23rd and you can enjoy this half hour on campus service from your car or you can wear a mask and be socially distanced around the stage. This event is gonna include carols, hot chocolate and cider to go. And we are really looking forward to you enjoying the Christmas season with us. If you plan to attend this service in person, please make note that there's only one entrance into the parking lot and that will be the west entrance off Sunshine Street right in front of the Outreach Center. We're really looking forward to seeing you and hope that you'll join us on campus for this special event. Then on Christmas Eve, we've prepared a very special online service that we know you'll enjoy. It's filled with Christmas music, a creative storytelling piece with the Freeman family, and a candle lighting moment. We'd love for you all to invite your friends and family to watch along with you. This service will be available every hour on the hour from 10 a.m. to midnight at live.sumc.co. And one more reminder, on December 27th, after Christmas, we'll be online only for our Sunday services that day. You can enjoy this service featuring live chat and prayer at live.sumc.co. Thanks, Stephanie, for that update. If you're worshiping with us today and enjoying this experience, we encourage you to invite someone else who could use a message, a message of peace, peace in their lives, peace in the world, go ahead and invite them. We appreciate that. Also, this morning, there's a chat feature on your screen. Go ahead and say hi to your friends. If you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button on your screen. Go ahead and access that. We have people ready and willing to pray with you. Thanks for doing that as well. And now let's, uh, let's worship God this morning. Let's celebrate God and each other, God who is with us. Let's worship. And rest 
as we pray together in this season of Advent, we also light the Advent candle. Advent means coming, the coming of Christ. And this season we prepare and we wait and we listen. We listen for the voices of the prophets once again, the voices of promise, encouragement, and hope. And so this week, I invite us to hear these words as we light the fourth candle, the candle of love, as Christ is love. Hear these words. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ who is love. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope, peace, joy, and love. O come, O come, Emmanuel, eternal love, infinite love, God with us. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, kind Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer and relationship and on this day, God, we do open our hearts to you. We invite you in, your Holy Spirit. We ask for a fresh, fresh awakening to who you are, what you desire for us. And God, we, we would pray, and we do pray that you would use us 
Use us to bring glory to your kingdom. Help us to bring peace to this earth and into our lives and other lives. God, we do ask for your forgiveness in this, uh, in this season. And we confess life has been hard. It's been a hard year. So God, we thank you for your compassion, your love, your unending love. We are grateful. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us with boldness and confidence and saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hi, I'm Krista Rosenbaum. I'm the Director of Community Impact here at Schweitzer. I'm so excited to tell you about a new community development organization that Schweitzer is helping to launch, Flourish. One of the ministries in Flourish is the Life Change Program. It's near and dear to my heart. Part of the Life Change Program is discipling people through recovery and into a great new life where they can say, I love my life. One of those stories is from Gary Casey. Gary Casey is the first Life Change Plan graduate to graduate during my time here. When he came to us, he had tried several programs and kept falling back into old habits. Our Life Change program led to a different result. We witnessed Gary go from being broken to having a life he's always dreamed of. We even celebrated Gary and his wife, Lindsay, who is also a Life Change Plan graduate as they entered into marriage and welcomed their first child. Gary points to the Life Change Program as a huge turning point in his life. We know there are many more stories yet to happen. Let's take a listen as Jim shares the history and heart of Flourish. It begins with a simple question, what if? In 2003, Ed Hewlett first asked, what if? What if we opened a food pantry to meet the needs of hungry families in our community? In the first year of operation, the people of Schweitzer, through the pantry, provided food for more than 300 people. This ministry continued to grow, helping more than 16,000 people in the first decade of existence. Schweitzer quickly became a source of encouragement, hope, and prayer to the community around us. In 2010, this ministry grew exponentially as it moved to the Outreach Center. This larger space allowed us to serve more individuals and partner with local organizations in a new way. The 6,000 square foot warehouse also became a supply hub for a dozen other pantries in Southwest Missouri, which meant we were helping serve over 100,000 people each year. As the numbers grew, we continued to see and to witness that the needs were greater than food. We saw an opportunity to join people in their journey. We began to shift our focus from being for people to being with people. We began to ask, what if? What if we could provide more than food on a monthly basis, but could also encourage and equip people in a deeper way. What if we offered structured support and hope, hope through job training, addiction recovery, and transitional housing? What if we opened a neighborhood garden where neighbors could get to know one another and grow produce in a shared space? Soon, the spirit that started the food pantry sprouted into new areas of outreach. 
including the Life Change Plan, Jobs for Life, the Coach House Ministry, and a neighborhood garden. By shifting our focus, we have witnessed deep transformation in the lives of people all around Schweitzer. This transformation has allowed people to truly flourish. For the past decade, the city of Springfield has strived to address the poverty rate, yet it remains at 25%. And while there are many good programs in our community, few have had the success rate we have found through a new method of outreach here at Schweitzer. A method that focuses on restoring a sense of value, dignity, and self-worth in people's lives, while also providing life skills. Take a look at these facts. 85% of participants in our life change program have remained healthy, not relapsing back into addiction. More than 70% of Jobs for Life graduates have improved their job standing, going from part-time to full-time, or from no job to a job. Additionally, one local company has hired 21 Jobs for Life graduates, and their internal stats say graduates of this specific program have a 30% higher rate of staying and succeeding than those hired another way. So, with a growing desire to see even more lives transformed in our community and beyond, here at the end of 2020, we're once again asking, what if? What if we took a big step as a church to help launch a community development corporation that would allow us to expand further, to reach even more people? This means that this Christmas season, we're asking you to join us in helping launch Springfield's first community development corporation, Flourish. Following Jesus, Flourish will launch with the mission of standing with our neighbors in need, pursuing healing through relationships of reconciliation and investing in economic and leadership development in our community. We believe this is a tremendous opportunity to leave a legacy that goes beyond the walls of Schweitzer and an opportunity to impact future generations of flourishing people that we hope and believe will say, I love my life. Thank you for joining with us and asking the brave question of, what if, as we trust God who is also with us? That's Flourish, and thanks, Krista, for your ministries that are changing lives. We appreciate all you're doing. And if you're wondering today how you can be involved in Flourish, well, there are several ways. First, be praying. Be praying for this initiative, this ministry. Also, be thinking about where you can serve. Be praying about that as well as we serve God. And certainly, let's be generous people. Let's give uh, to launch this new uh, ministry, this initiative, this Community Development Corporation. And we can give by going to sumc.co slash flourish. You can learn more about this ministry and all that's going on with it and around it. So check that out. Also, we can continue our ongoing giving through the link sumc.co slash give. We really appreciate how you support the ministries of Schweitzer year round. They make a difference. They matter in the lives of people here on this campus around this church, the Ozarks, and really the world. So thanks for being generous. And now let's, uh, let's continue worshiping as the choir leads us with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's worship.
Thanks, choir, for glorifying God with your gifts. Now we come to a, a time in worship where each week this year, we've been telling God stories, stories where God has been working in lives, transforming lives, changing lives in the way that God would have them. This week, we're going to hear from Marianne Wood, who is a uh, lady of, of faith and action, and she has a God story that's gonna inspire us and give us more faith, hope, and love. Let's watch. Um, I've been coming to Schweitzer since 2005 or six. Um, been very involved in small groups. That's how I've met so many people here at Schweitzer. Um, my husband and I met in 2006 and got married here in Schweitzer at two, in 2007. So, um, so I grew up in a church. Uh, we went to church every Sunday. I learned all about uh, trusting in God and, and who Jesus was and all of that. And I knew uh, in my heart that that was what we were supposed to do as Christians. But it wasn't until I was about 35 years old when I went through a weekend uh, church retreat that I actually had my personal experience with Christ. At that time, I really started focusing in on the blessings that Christ gives us. Um, I also started paying attention to how He was involved in my life. At that time, a friend of mine shared with me the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. And for the longest time, that was stuck on my refrigerator and I would look at it periodically and think, oh yeah, mm-hmm. But I didn't really, you know, I, I wasn't really um, looking for those times. As time has gone on and as I've grown in my faith, I can see Christ working around me all over the place. Um, I truly believe that Christ brought me and my husband together. I think Christ uh, had a hand in me getting the job that I currently have. Um, I think as recently as this summer, uh, even with all of the weird things that have happened with COVID, because uh, we were working from home, when I had a really bad accident and broke my leg, I already had my office set up at my home. So instead of having to miss four months of work, I only had to miss about two and a half to three months. Even more recently, I had to make the tough decision to move my mom into a skilled care facility. And I found out afterwards that the place that we chose and where she's at and where she's really uh, settling in and, and doing well is a place that normally doesn't have openings. But the whole time she was not well this fall and in and out of the hospital, I just kept praying that, you know, if, if she needs to move from an assisted living facility to skilled care, that God provide that path, that He open those doors and make it straight. And it was probably the easiest process-wise thing that I've done in a long time. You know, every day I thank God for the blessings that He's given me. Even if it's been a terrible, terrible day, there are always blessings. You know, I have a nice house to live in. I have cars, you know, we have cars to drive. Um, we always have food on our table. We have great friends. We have a wonderful church. There's always something to be thankful for. And I just really feel like if if I do trust in the Lord, you know, with all of my being, which I feel like I do, 
that He will direct my path, that He will show me the way. And it may not be the way that I expect. It may not be what I'm looking for, but especially always looking back on it, I can see where God's hands are all over my life. My name is Mary Ann Wood, and this is just the beginning of my story. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I want to say thank you to Mary Ann for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for sharing about how God is at work in your life. Uh, today, this is part four of our series called Peace on Earth. We remember, of course, that when the angels showed up to the shepherds that night in Bethlehem, that's what they sing about. They say, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so uh, we are exploring for four weeks, these four weeks of Advent, this promise of peace that comes to us through Jesus. And we're doing this by looking at four prophecies. Uh, from the Old Testament book of Isaiah that, that tell about who Jesus is and, and what he's going to do, what the Messiah is going to accomplish, this peace that he's going to bring to us. And, and as we look through these four prophecies, these are all like big picture views of Jesus, the Messiah, and what he does. And so um, as we work through this, my goal is really simple. As we look at the big picture, I, I just want you to be reminded of some things that you already know. That's my goal with this series. That we're just going to remind you of some truth. Uh, because this has been a year, as we talk about peace, this has been a year that is like has no peace. It is a year of chaos, a year of stress. This is a year that that uh, is just full of anxiety for so many of us. And so I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this year than by reminding us of some things we already know, reminding us of truth and exploring this promise of, uh, of peace. Now, as we go through this um, today, I think it'd be helpful to remember a little bit where we've come from in this series. Uh, we started a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, the biblical idea of peace. In the Old Testament, the biblical idea of peace comes from a Hebrew word, uh, shalom. And shalom is this very famous, very layered word in the Bible. So when the Bible talks about peace, the Bible talks about peace in a way that maybe you and I sometimes don't because sometimes we have a narrow view of what peace is. We look at peace of like, we don't fight anymore or maybe peace is like things are calm, we're sitting on a beach uh, and that's, that's maybe what peace is for us. But, but in the Bible, peace is like this broad understanding of the ways that God is at work in our life. Peace is about things like, like wholeness and restoration and forgiveness. Peace is salvation. Peace is like the, the ways that God's goodness gets, gets shared with you and with me and with everyone. This is the promise of shalom. When those angels show up to those shepherds, that's what they're singing about is this shalom, this, this peace that is God's goodness is going to spread across the earth. It's for absolutely everyone. Now, as we talked about last week, though, there, there is a certain tension that comes with that because on one hand, you have the promise of peace. You have this promise of God's goodness and God's favor and God's wholeness and healing come to all of us. And then on the other hand, you have reality. And sometimes there's a gap between the promise and what, what life really looks like because life sometimes doesn't look like peace. And so this week and last week, we were talking about this tension that we have between the promise and, and then reality. Last week was more about like, how do we think about this promise or this tension, I mean? And, and today is gonna be more like, what do, what do we do about it? And so we're gonna be in Isaiah 55. This is one of my favorite passages. I love Isaiah 55. I'm so glad to share it with you today. Um, Isaiah 55, this incredible promise. We're gonna explore um, how peace comes to us through the Messiah. And here's how Isaiah 55 goes. It says, come all you who are thirsty. Notice that word all, this is for absolutely everyone. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why spin your wheels on chasing after things in life that don't actually satisfy you? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. 
and you will delight in the richest affair. I love Isaiah 55. You'll delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Notice we just read about nations coming because this is again for everyone, not just the religious, not just the church goers, but everyone. Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. To our God, for he will uh, freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now listen to these next two verses here. Verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The shalom, the wholeness, the favor, the forgiveness, the salvation of God, God's goodness. You'll be led forth in shalom. It says the mountains and hills will burst into song and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Verse 13, maybe my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Verse 13, instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that endures forever. So when the angels show up that night in Bethlehem, they sing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the shepherds hear that song This is what the angels are singing about. Things like this, this shalom that is going to spread for all of us. This this promise of peace that that we will delight in the richest affair. This promise of peace that we can come and buy wine and milk without cost, without money. This promise of peace that that no matter who you are, the the briars and thorns of our lives, those those places that that aren't quite the way that they should be, that they're going to be replaced with junipers and myrtles, that that the places of of, of hard, hard places like briars and thorns will be placed with purpose. That's what, that's what the shift is, that the Lord is going to like clear out these fields and he's going to place them not with thorns anymore, but with the purposeful plants of junipers and myrtles. Like this is an incredible promise and all of this will be done for the Lord's renown. I love it. I love it. Now, you may be thinking to yourself today, Spencer, that is, that is great. Great promise. Isaiah 55, incredible writing. Uh, but do you have a calendar? Because it's December. And like Christmas is just in a few days. So why aren't we reading passages about Christmas? Why aren't we reading passages about mangers and stars and inns and all of those kinds of things that you read passages about a week before Christmas? And, and certainly we will. We will. Thursday, Christmas Eve, be with us. We're going to read Luke 2, No Room at the Inn, all of those kinds of things. We're going to work our way through that. All during the week of Christmas, candles and carols, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to talk about the baby. But, but today, you, you may not think of this as like a, a Christmas passage, but it is. I mean, this This promise that we just read here, it is so much about Christmas. In fact, the most 
published Christmas song of all time, Joy to the World, references this exact promise about these thorn bushes being cleared out, the briars coming, going away, because that, that exact promise, Joy to the World, verse 3, right? No more let sins or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. This is the promise from Isaiah 55. This is what the Messiah does, is he's going to come and he's going to take away the briars and the thorns, and he is going to remove these things and plant junipers and myrtles. He's going to take our lives that aren't working, and he's going to, he's going to bring purpose and meaning to them. This is the promise of Shalom. This is what the Messiah does. Now, of course, there's also tension in this, and this is what we talked about last week as well, because on one hand, you have this incredible promise of what the Messiah is going to do for us, and then on the other hand, you have reality, and if you look at, you look at life, like there is a gap here between the promise and then what reality looks like, because the reality of our world is, is oftentimes briars and thorns. I mean, I think about the things that we've been through the last nine months, a pandemic that has killed hundreds of thousands of people in our country, briars and thorns. I think about the things that we watched over the course of the summer when protests happened across our country of, of racial injustice. And you look at racial injustice and you got to think to yourself, man, it's just briars and thorns. Or, or I think about the election that we just went through and the division that was caused in so many relationships in so many places. And I just, I just can't help but think it's briars and thorns. This is the tension that we have. So, so what, do we, what do we do with this? Because this gap between the promise and, and, and the reality of briars and thorns, this, this gap is something that every person of faith is going to have to deal with. And these, these briars and thorns, like this gap here, is, it's not just in problems out there either. It's also within us. I mean, I'm somebody who belongs to Christ, and I'll be honest with you. In my life, there's plenty of briars and thorns. There's plenty of times I lose my temper. There's plenty of times I, 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 I gossip or I'm judgmental or there's plenty of times I fill my life, not with God's intention for me, but with briars and thorns. And this is the gap. Like here's the promise of peace that comes to the Messiah, the promise of, a, of briars and thorns being cleared out of my life. And then the reality is, is different because there's still briars and thorns within me. There's still briars and thorns in, in my family. There's still briars and thorns in people I love. There's still briars and thorns in the world. So what do we do with this gap? And every person of faith, every person who believes the scripture is going to have to deal with this gap. And this gap, this gap, it shows up in so many places, in so many ways. This gap between the promise and the reality, it shows up in so many places. I, I think about how sometimes it shows up how someone we love gets sick and we know in faith that God can heal them. And we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and, and they just get more sick. Briars and thorns. I think about how marriages sometimes, um, there are marriages in our church where some of you are just barely hanging on. He's sleeping in the spare bedroom. You're not really talking about anything, or at least anything that matters. And, and it's just briars and thorns within your marriage and nothing's really working the way that it should. And we know in faith that God can restore relationships and bring reconciliation and forgiveness. But it's like you pray and pray and pray for this to happen and it, like it doesn't, there's a gap. Or, or I think about like sometimes we, we love people who just make just terrible decisions with their life just self-destructive things. They choose addictions or they, they, they choose, they, they, they choose uh, bad relationships. They choose uh, all kinds of things that hurt them and they just make choices that hurt them and you love these people and you pray for them and, and you know in faith that God can deliver people from everything. You just keep praying for them and it's just they keep filling their life with briars and thorns and it's just like this gap is there. And so as every person of faith is gonna have to deal with this gap and I'll tell you the truth, I have seen people walk away from faith, and I bet you have too, because of this gap. I have seen people choose to, to walk away from, from the Lord because 
because they've got something in their life that's briars and thorns. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and they start to follow the Lord, but like change doesn't happen fast enough. And, and they end up leaving. They end up thinking like this just didn't take, like faith didn't work for me. And they, they walk away from this because, because of this, this tension, this gap between the promise that we have in the scripture and, and the reality of sometimes what our lives looks like, the, the briars and thorns that, that fill real life. So what do we do as people of faith, as people who belong to Christ, as people who believe the scripture, what do we do with that gap? I think one of the most helpful ways to think about this gap and how we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to live through this um, is a Hebrew word that we find throughout the, the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word, kavah. Kavah is really helpful in navigating how it is that we should respond to this gap in our life. And this word kavah, very, very helpful for us. I, I encourage you to say it at home, kavah. Uh, you mean, you, you may be with people. Don't be embarrassed. You can just say it. It's all right, kavah. This is a great Hebrew word. I'm going to give you two examples of this word and why I think it's so helpful in navigating how, how people who believe the scripture and belong to Christ, how it is that we can navigate this gap. Um, two examples. Here's the first one. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 says this. I remain confident of this, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait. There's the word in Hebrew, kavah. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait. One more time, kavah for the Lord. This Hebrew word kavah, it's often translated as, as wait. Because one of the things that you're going to do if you're going to navigate these gaps is you're going to have to wait on God. Waiting on God is absolutely central. And you see just time after time in the Bible where we are told to wait for the Lord. Especially in the Psalms and the prophets, you just time after time after time are told to wait on the Lord. And one reason for this is that while God's promises are always true, God's timing is not our timing. And so we're called to, to wait on the Lord, to be still before the Lord. And that's what's going to happen. If you're going to be someone who navigates these gaps well between the promise and reality, you're going to have to wait on the Lord for, for God to move. Now, what's interesting to me about this, uh, this word kavah, though, is that while it's sometimes translated as, as wait into English, it's not always translated that way. Let me read to you another example from, uh, from the Bible about this Hebrew word kavah. This comes from Isaiah 40, very famous passage. Isaiah 40 goes like this. It says, those who... Hope, there it is, kavah, hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I just, I want you to catch this. In biblical Hebrew, the word wait and the word hope are the exact same word, which tells us something about how we're going to navigate these gaps. It, it tells us something because it tells us that if we're going to wait on God, it means that we're also going to hope in him. And if we're going to hope in God, it means we're also going to have to, to wait on him. That, that waiting and hoping, this, expect, this, this expectant attitude that we have, like it, it goes hand in hand with how we wait on the Lord, that, that, that while we wait, we have this hope that God is able to come through for us. Waiting and hoping, it's, they go hand in hand together. It, it reminds me of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Paul writes this, Romans 8, verse 18, he says, I consider that our, listen to these words here, present suffering. So I consider that all of the things that are going on around me right now, all of the circumstances of my life right now, my present sufferings, for him it's sufferings. He, he suffered a lot in his life. So all of our present sufferings, all of our present circumstances are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
you hear that? There's, this is the gap. I have present sufferings and uh, this glory that will be revealed in me. Like, how do I navigate through these kinds of things? How do I navigate between the promise and what life really looks like? How do, how do I do this? Verse 23, he goes on, he says, he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So what he's talking about here is how we're already saved. If you belong to Christ, you're already saved. But even though you're already saved because you belong to him, we're still waiting for the full redemption of our life, the full redemption of our bodies to happen. Verse 24, he goes on, he says, for, for in this hope we were saved. In this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, uh, we wait for it patiently. You, you can hear the tension in his writing here. It's the tension we're talking about. It's the, it's the tension between the future glory and what life looks like r- right now, the present reality. For Paul, it was suffering. I mean, Paul writes from, from prisons most of the time. It's, it's briars and thorns for him. His present reality is briars and thorns. For him, it's persecution. It's, it's, it's things not going right. But I mean, Paul, his life story is like setback after setback after setback. When he decides to follow Jesus, it's briars and thorns. He's like, I have briars and thorns all around me. And yet I have this hope in like the, the work that God is gonna do. And so what do I do? I, I wait for God to come through. I wait for God to to, to come true on his word. I wait for God for his work that he's going to do in my life. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm going to wait for that. Now, as I, as I talk about this dynamic of, of waiting and hoping, how this is how we navigate these gaps and this is what we do in the midst of the gaps uh, that we wait and we hope, I, I'm afraid you heard me say something that I didn't really say. <laughs> because when we like wait on the Lord, Um, waiting on the Lord, I'm afraid you heard me say something that I didn't say because waiting on the Lord uh, doesn't mean like taking a day off. That's not what waiting on the Lord is. Waiting on the Lord is not like uh, I'm going to sit on my couch all day and watch Netflix and and wait for God to move or or, uh, it's not like waiting on the Lord is not like I'm just going to hang out and like scroll through Instagram for a long time waiting for God to come through and do what God wants to do. Like that's not what waiting on the Lord is. Waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing that we do. Waiting on the Lord is an active thing that we do. It's an, it's an active work that we, we perform. I mean, I mean, I just think about Paul, for instance. Paul, who had setback after setback, and he's waiting on the Lord to come through for him because his present circumstances are is suffering. It's briars and thorns. Paul is not somebody who just sits back and like watches TV all day. He's somebody who's actively waiting on the Lord. I think, for instance, about how um, in a lot of Paul's writings, there, he writes from prison because he spends a lot of time in prison. He's got a whole set of letters called prison letters. And throughout these prison letters, Paul will oftentimes um, tell the people that he's writing to, he's like, hey, 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 in the midst of all of this that I'm going on right now, this gap that I'm living in, the briars and thorns that are surrounding me, he's just like, hey, hey, hey pray that I would be able to share the gospel with the people around me. Like he's going through briars and thorns. He's in the middle of the gap. He's like, hey, pray that the palace guards and the people I interact with, pray that I'd have a a clear way to share the gospel with them. Because you see, for Paul, as he waits for God to come true on his word, it's an active thing for him. He's waiting with with an expectant attitude that God is gonna come through and he's getting ready for this. He's he's actively waiting for the Lord. I I think about it like this. My wife and I, Abby, we we have three girls, Grace, Eve, and Lily. 
And uh, I remember when my wife was, was pregnant, especially with our first one, you know, we didn't really know what's going on. And, and uh, there's a lot of waiting when, you, when you're expecting a baby. I mean, months and months and months and months and months of waiting. And, and as dad, there's not a, a whole lot to do. So there's a, just a lot, of, a lot of waiting. But as we were waiting for, for these kids to be born, we weren't just like sitting around waiting. There was things to do. We went to doctor's appointments. We changed our diet. We, we had to get the nursery ready. And I, I, I think about that. I mean, like we had to buy furniture and we had to paint the room and, and, the, and the crib came. And you know whose job was to put the crib together? It was dad's job. Dad's job to put the crib together. Came, came to us in a, in a box, it shipped flat. So I, you know, one Saturday afternoon, I got all the pieces of the crib out and we're waiting for this baby to be born, but I'm gonna spend my afternoon getting the crib ready for, for her when she comes and it ships flat. I take the box out, take all the pieces. I take that one Allen wrench that it comes with. Why in the world is it just one Allen wrench? I take that one Allen wrench, I put that crib together, start moving it down the hallway. And I'm like, oh man, should have measured first because that is not gonna fit through the door. So I take that one Allen wrench, I take everything apart again, move all the pieces back into the nursery, then put it back together that one Allen wrench. And, and, I'm, and I'm waiting, like this is, this is it. I'm not just sitting back watching Netflix all day. I'm, I'm doing things to get ready for the baby that's to be coming. This is what biblical waiting is like. It's active. We don't just like sit back and just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and not do anything. No, no, no. We are moving and expecting God to do something in our lives. It's, 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 it's active. So yes, I'll be honest. I have thorns and briars that are in my life and you do too. I have briars and thorns that are in relationships. I have briars and thorns that are in the world. I see briars and thorns all around us. I see a gap in my life. I see a gap in, in the world. I see so many places where there is a gap between God's promise and, and the briars and thorns that we live in. But, but while I wait on the Lord and I hope in Him for, for the work that He's going to do, I'm not just sitting back and thinking, God, when are you going to do this? It's, it's an active thing. I'm praying, I'm seeking after him. I'm, I'm taking action for, for him to be active in my life. I'm serving people. I'm inviting others into the good news. I'm, I'm sharing with those who are hurting and those who have briars and thorns in their life. I'm sharing with them because I have this hope that God is the one who can come through for them. I'm, I'm waiting for God's promises to be true, but it's not like you just sit back and don't do anything. It's, it's rather that you go forward and you serve and you share this good news with others. This, friends, is why we're doing Flourish is because we, we are waiting on God's promises to be true. And in the meantime, we're gonna get ready. We're gonna share with more people and serve with more people this, this good news message of what Jesus can do because yes, there are briars and thorns everywhere, but the Lord's will is for peace. It's for those thorny fields to be cleared away and for junipers and myrtles to be planted. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to take all of those places in your life, in my life, in everyone's life. And he wants to bring shalom. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring his will in, in as he intends for you and for me and for everyone, for us to live in. This is what he wants to do. And so while we wait for him, we get ready. We serve, we pray. We seek after him. We invite others. We share the good news. We give, we contribute. We use our gifts and our talents to make a difference because not because we are the answer, but because we hope that he's gonna come and we're just, we're getting ready for his arrival. Getting ready for him as he comes true in his word. And so friends, as I started today, I, I said, you know, my goal is really simple. I wanna share with you uh, some, uh, something that you already know, some truth that you already know. And so I just, I just want to share this with you today. It's something you already know, the promises of the scripture. And I just want to tell you today this. If your life 
has briars and thorns in it, and it does. If there are places in your life where there is struggle, there is sin, there is temptation, if there are relationships that are broken, if there are places in your life that feel incomplete and you're not living the way that you know you should, listen, 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 listen. The Lord has come to clear away the thorns and to bring change and transformation. This is what Jesus can do. This is why he was born. This is why the angels show up that night and they sing about peace on earth. Is because Jesus, the Messiah, can change your life. We expect and we hope for the work that he's gonna do and in the meantime, we seek after him. We pursue him, we serve him, we share with others the good news message of what he can do for them. So for you, I want you to hear the good news promise of what the Messiah can do in your life, in your family, and in the community. As you hear one more time, Isaiah 55 verse 13, the promise, the promise of the Messiah that instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow, and this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. For you, for me, for everyone. Let's pray. And so Father, today I pray for anyone who's with us today, who's got briars and thorns, which is all of us. All of us have places in our life. We are not living in your will. And we wanna claim this hope today that your will would be done in her life that your will would come for us, that this promise of peace, of shalom, that the Messiah brings, that it might fill our lives, it might fill our families, it might fill the places that are broken, the places in need of healing and wholeness. And maybe today there are some specific briars and thorns that folks are struggling with. People who are sick, maybe there's addictions or secrets, there's things that, uh, that are leading people away from the life that they wanna live, maybe it's for themselves or people they love. And as we lift those before you today, in our own voices, our own hearts, our own way, God, we ask that you might move, that the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom might come and fill our lives with his goodness as we seek after you, because we wait with expectation of what you can do in our lives. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray, amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols played And mild and sweet their songs repeat Peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells they're ringing Despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But 
It's been so good to be with you uh, today as we celebrate the hope that we have in Christ, the, the, the way that He brings peace and transformation to the world. I want to say a thank you to those who made today happen. Thank you to Jim, to Stephanie, KJ. Thank you, Krista, Marianne, for sharing your story. Thank you, choir, for leading us in our hymn today. That's a hard thing to do. Thank you so much for, for that work that you did for us. Hey, if today has been helpful for you, if you've been encouraged by this, I encourage you, who can you share this with, this service with? Who in your life? needs to hear a good news message about what Jesus can do for them as we put our hope in Christ. I can't wait to to be with you on Christmas Eve. Also, carols and candlelight all week long. Come and celebrate the birth of Christ with us. We'll see you this week.